Hey, Maria, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am doing great. This is a really exciting week for me. I, we're recording before, but when this episode comes out will be the same day that my book is finally going live. So as you're listening to this, you can go now to anywhere, Amazon, anywhere else the books are sold, but specifically my website, extrafocusbook.com will have kind of all the links to uh, all the different places. So I don't know what I'm going to actually be doing this day when this comes out, but it's going to be very exciting. It's wild that I made it here. Yeah. <laughs> so very exciting time. Definitely celebrate in some way because it's such a, I mean, we've been talking about the book stuff for a while and it, it sort of felt like the goalpost, whether this is true or not, but it sort of felt like, oh, this, it's almost there, it's almost there. And so like, you're actually there now. It's already scheduled, right, for the release. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's coming out no matter what. And this is a big moment. <laughs> this is a long time coming, big moment. Yeah, yeah. It's really exciting too. Like I, I, I know I've talked about this before, but like I had to make some hard decisions this year with focus. Like... I think I mentioned this to you the other day, like we talked about our kind of like themes for the year. Mm -hmm. And one of those, like I had big plans for doing like YouTube. I was going to do a lot more YouTube this this year. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really, like I, ha I haven't done any videos on YouTube. I may do one in time for this launch. So we'll see if I cram one in this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of that, because I had to, like I had to focus. I just realized that like this book is never going to get done because I'm doing so many other things. I was still doing, like at the beginning of the year, I was still doing the ADHD Nerds podcast. I had started Polar Habits. I was wanting to do a bunch of stuff with YouTube. I had like all this stuff and I just really had to make some, like I want this book to come out this year. I need to focus because there's a lot that needs to be done. So I had to like cut the cord with all these different things so that I could focus on getting the book out. And it worked, like that focus... Yep help like cutting those things off really allowed me to hone in and get this stuff done and it's been a whirlwind for the last month of doing all mm -hmm. the last minute trying to line things up for marketing yeah i i need to do something to celebrate but right now i'm just like Definitely. oh my gosh i'm gonna be like refreshing all the like all the dashboards and everything like all that's what i'm doing as you're listening to this that's what i'm doing right now i'll be <laughs> just refreshing hitting, uh, dashboards or whatever control command yeah. r command r <laughs> exactly yeah we be planning to share like any of those numbers, like as you, you know, so the build in public thing. The whole build in public thing is kind of interesting. And I've, you know, I talked a little bit with you about sort of, I feel like I'm sort of in this dilemma with that, where like, I think early on, I was definitely leaning into a lot more building in public and just like talk about, like particularly one of the early events that kind of happened for me just in this whole online creation thing was like, I posted some stuff on TikTok and that was starting to, to blow up. And so I was like kind of sharing like a lot of updates on what was happening there. And then like I've done some other stuff where like I've done like courses and stuff and just sort of talking about that. I feel like there's this weird, there's a dilemma with Build in Public. Like I love Austin Kleon's book, Show Your Work. Have you read that book? No, but I think we've talked about it in the past and I've been meaning to along with the other like 50 books that I you know, <laughs> right always yeah I know to, but never finish I know you don't you don't read a ton <laughs> I do think like Austin Kleon it's very his books are very visual and so they're they're really really like I like mine's sort of visual I've got some illustrations in there but his are even more like like you can get through it pretty quickly the way they're designed mm -hmm. um, but anyway he talks a lot about kind of the idea of building in public and how, like, it's not just like, I think there's a couple of key advantages to building a public. Like one, 
it gives you content, like a great way to like have content to share about whatever you're doing or building is just like, this is a thing I built today and I can share it with you. And this is the thing that happened with my thing, with my project or whatever today. And I can share the byproduct or, you know, like it's the whole idea of like selling the sawdust, like by building this thing, you have these pieces happening and kind of sharing mm -hmm. that or sharing like Arvid Call's been like, he's really shared a lot of the nitty gritty of his journey and just like all the numbers. And so in addition to it sort of being like that content you create, you get invested in that story too, sure, as yeah. you're seeing all the behind the scenes. And that's like another great advantage. And I think that's probably been the case for me too, as I talked about, as I've talked about writing the book in my newsletter, like people get interested in it. And once it comes out, like a lot of people are gonna buy it partly just because they're excited that this thing they've been sort of investing mentally in, or like, mm -hmm. like sort of seeing the journey, like seeing it come to the end, they're like excited to be part of that. I agree with everything you just said. I think for me, there's there's a credibility component to it because people can see the work, like you actually show your work and the progress. So there's that, right. that element. There's an accountability part for me because I want to, if I'm not posting stuff, it means I'm not doing stuff. Like I, I feel more accountable that I've posted, hey, I'm starting this feature. And so I got to finish it. You know, like I've got to finish what I just shared. So there's that part of it. There has to be some reason for it. And I think a lot of the people I see building in public, their audience that are following the build in public are also the audience they're selling to. Mm. It's a softer sell, I guess, because it's just saying, here's what I've built and you know, maybe you might like it. But a lot of them are SaaS companies and they're kind of expecting the, the build in public audience to be their audience as well, buying the product. There's sort of like a scene or like a culture of like people that are in mm. that world like understand like the building in public and kind of expect it and it doesn't like it's like Arvid not stuff. yeah exactly like when Arvid talks about his stuff it doesn't feel like oh there's Arvid bragging about things happening again it's like that's not the tone at all it's no, it's no, no. like you accept like oh this is him he's just sharing all the stuff and so you're you like get value from it it feels like a behind the scenes view and yeah you're gaining value learning from how he's doing stuff I think one of the dilemmas I've had is now that I'm kind of at the journey and it's like becoming real, like I have kind of some raw numbers or whatever. And I feel weird about sharing them because I think part of it is my audience primarily, I would say, is not kind of that build in public audience. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of the you know subcultures of Twitter or X that I feel plugged into. Like I follow a ton of people that are mm -hmm. very build in public. But I would say overall, the majority of my audience probably doesn't come from there. There's definitely some like people that are in my audience or whatever that listen to this show. There's probably overlapping circles like people that listen to this are often I would I would suspect are people that are kind of in that build in public space. And so like for them, and ADHD like, as well, because a lot of people building in public are there is a lot of overlap because a lot of them are indie solopreneurs like. Yeah, but that's yeah. probably because they're just a bit restless at their current job or whatever. You know, they're just trying new stuff and fifty projects on at the same time. Like, there's definitely some overlap there. Yeah. First off, I don't know the answer here, and I, and mm -hmm. that's like why it's a dilemma. And I kind of talked to you about how I'm feeling. Like, should I share my pre-order numbers? Because I'm like watching my numbers, and the build in public mindset is like, well, yeah, you should be sharing those numbers. But part of me feels like, is it? 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just like in my own head about it, but like, I don't want it to feel like, oh, Jesse's bragging about having this numbers. And then I don't want the other thing either of like his audience is X amount of followers. I thought he'd be selling a lot more than this. Like Mm -hmm. I feel sort of like afraid to expose what the number is, whether good or bad. So I feel like I'm in this weird space of like, should I put that number or should I keep it hidden, keep it safe and just sort of talk about getting the bestseller thing on Amazon. Like I talked, I shared that about, cause that's like very exciting. And I think people sure. are excited for that. Like people that read my content are excited for me, which is amazing. And I love that. But is that different than if I were to share actual raw numbers? I don't know. First of all, I think this is actually a very common question. Like I think a lot of people have this same question, right? Should I build in public? Does it make sense for my audience? And there's this dilemma about, am I just bragging or am I actually like genuinely, like sometimes it's just, I'm excited. Like I've done something, I want to share it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it does feel a bit like bragging for me. So I've sort of been through a lot of what you're saying, because I think when I first started with Llama Life, my audience was originally sort of the indie hacker audience. Like that was who I was selling to. I thought it was like productivity tool, not massive companies, just someone who's trying to make the most of their time. And those people are often like in the technical space because you can list out your tasks really specifically. You're at a desktop. Like it just seemed like a good fit for Llama Life. And that worked for a little bit. But as time went on, like I've realized like my audience is actually, that's a secondary audience for me. The main audience is actually not on Twitter. It's on Instagram. And it's really for people with ADHD, which in hindsight, it's not surprising. Like, of course it's going to be like that because I've got ADHD and I made the product for myself and everything we add I kind of want that feature. That's why we put it in. Like, mm-hmm. So it makes complete sense now. But my point is that my building public has really shifted because I do have the same dilemma. It's like, well, should I share this or does it even make sense? And what I've ended up doing is I share different things now for different audiences. So for the audience that is on Instagram, which is where our actual sort of mostly kind of paying customers are, are coming from, I kind of share more feature updates and this might be different for a book because because we're talking about SaaS versus a book. For us, it's like, hey, here's how the feature is going, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's a bit different. It's not financial numbers. I don't put financial numbers on Instagram. I don't think our customers care about that. They want to know like, hey, the feature that you said you're going to work on right now, it's like a mobile app. How's that going? <laughs> like they want to know that. <laughs> right. But then the guys on Twitter, I used to share more financial numbers because that was an accountability thing for me and also like, hey, I made progress and that's what they're interested in because a lot of them are trying to reach financial freedom through solopreneurship. Like people will have like, well, I think you had this for a while too, like, you know, like emoji in your like bio that kind of shows like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. like like 3K month, yeah, the dollar you know, three, yeah, whatever it is, you're like showing progress of what your goal is and stuff like yeah. that. So I think that's kind of neat for like following a goal, but I also have an issue with it where there's no context Someone who's trying to hit like, you know, a million dollars or or like, you know, 50K or even just a thousand dollars, like you don't know their situation when you see that emoji progress bar. Mm-hmm. Someone could have funding from an investor, some might be bootstrapped. Like this is this is no context. Some might be working full time on their products, some might be working nights and weekends. Like this is just no context. So I actually stopped sharing all my numbers, financial numbers mm-hmm. later on. I used to and now I don't. I don't think it helps people without the context. And there's another thing like, so if just perfect example, like Llama Life's got investment, right? We have an invest, we have investors. I don't know if that's immediately apparent if someone sees 
my Twitter. I know some people miss it because sometimes people will make comments about bootstrapping and we were bootstrapping, but now we have funds. And so it's a very different ball game. Yeah, yeah. We're not like blowing through and wasting funds. Like I think there's a lot of negativity around, and this is a whole different topic, but there's a lot of negativity around like bootstrap versus VC funded businesses, mm-hmm. which I think is a little uncalled for. It bothers me a little bit because not all VC backed companies are just spraying money and like wasting it. Like that's kind of the very simple argument that is being made. I'm like, that's not the case for everyone. We're very, very like purposeful with how we spend our cash and we're trying to make it last longer and stuff. And anyway, that's a whole different topic. I feel like when you hear like VC funded, you're like, oh, okay, so they're going to hire 300 developers and they're going to blow yeah. through like yeah, like millions us. and millions of dollars. <laughs> and clearly that like, that's not. I'm still eating yeah, ramen and tuna. Like I'm trying to like, we're, <laughs> we, yeah, it's not like suddenly the money's come in. Like we're really trying to be smart about how to use the money. Right. But my point was going to be because we have investors, we save the financial updates for the investors. Mm-hmm. They should have like special privileges to, to see all that behind the scenes. And they have the context as well. Whereas some random person seeing my Twitter, if we say, hey, we grew our MRR by X amount, it's like, well, how much did you spend to grow that MRR? You can't compare, it's not apples for apples if you're comparing to a solo bootstrap founder. It's kind of dangerous in a way. So I stopped sharing because of those two reasons, the context and also I think the investors should have something special. There's other things to share. And I think sharing different things at different stages is also important. Yeah. And the other thing is you are under no obligation to share your financial numbers. Right. No one's business. It's only if you want to. And so there should be no pressure to share them. But if you think it would be valuable in some way for you or someone else, then yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm trying to figure. Because I don't think I feel like no one's asking me. I don't think anyone's asked me, like, what are the numbers? Like, how's it going? Um, Other than just, like, general. Like, are you happy with how it's going and stuff like that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's not that pressure. But it it does kind of – I mean, there is a little bit of, like, some of the things – I don't know. It's Like I said, it's kind of weird. Because I I think – I've seen other people that do like a book release and then you see what their numbers are. And it's like, holy cow, they like sold like, you know, to get on like, like a New York Times. Well, New York Times is a bias, but if, to get on like, I think uh, USA Today, I think theirs does just like their their list is based off pure numbers, I believe. But there's a lot of editorial. But anyway, to like rank on a list like that, like you have to mm-hmm. sell like 5,000 copies in a week or or more, like, which is crazy. And like my numbers are nowhere near that. And so on one hand, I'm like, do I want to share my numbers and then look like I'm like this small fish in the pond sort of thing? Like, I don't want to, there's part of me that feels like, is it embarrassing to share these numbers? Like, I'm not embarrassed by it, but there's that side. And then there's the opposite side of like, I know people that worked hard on a book, released it, and their like total numbers is less than where my pre-orders are right now. And so like, I don't want to feel like, there's like this whole humility, ego thing that I'm trying to balance. Cause like, I'm definitely not sharing to brag, but I do think it's interesting. I don't know, as you can tell, like my thoughts and everything on it are not clear. Cause I'm just, it's just like this thing that I'm like, do I want to share it? In the book world, there's there's an author, uh, David, I don't know his, how you pronounce his last name, but like Kadavi, Kadavi. Oh yeah, I know, I, I know of him, yeah. He's in the productivity space as well. I really liked his book, Mind Management, Not Time Management. Yeah. He's written a few other books. I think he did Design for Hackers like a decade ago or something like that. Anyway, he does a monthly report where he shares all his numbers. And he goes into like the nitty gritty. He's like, 
basically it's it's almost like you're seeing his accountant information. He's like, here's mm -hmm. all the ways I spent money. Here's the money that came in. And I find that really fascinating. But I also, because like you said, he's kind of more in that space. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just sort of like, it's, it's a dilemma. I'm trying to decide, like, is that something I want to lean into of like sharing those numbers? Is that something people would yeah. be interested in? For me, it's all about audience. Mm -hmm. I feel like if that's something your audience wants, then that's great. And you're willing to share it. That's great. It's sort of almost as simple as that. Because if, if the audience doesn't want it or they're not the right fit or they're not on that platform, like we just talked about Twitter and Instagram being completely different audiences, yeah, yeah. then it's not going to work. Maybe if you if you do want to share really specific book stuff, like maybe it's a different group, like maybe it's Substack or whatever, like some like a group that's more geared toward writing stuff, like long form writing. But it's a different thing because I, I have noticed on your Twitter, like so your Twitter is very ADHD focused. Like it's it's got yeah. great stuff, like really great, like ADHD relatable one liners, two liners, something short, but just like you you read it and you go oh my God, that's so funny. Like, that's exactly how I am. It's very relatable. And you get great engagement from those tweets. I have noticed when you post about book stuff, your engagement is like a lot lower on Twitter. Yeah. Right. So even that in itself kind of is a signal that that's not really the main audience. And may, maybe mm. you are, maybe you direct that audience. Like if you are interested in this tweet, like about a book update, I actually have a, you know, Substack group or I'm just saying Substack as an example, but another yeah. group where I'm going to be posting about this in a lot more detail, maybe give it a follow over there. And it's more work for you because you've got to like think about different content for different platforms. But I think it is all about like an audience fit is what I was saying earlier with on Instagram. We don't, we post more like feature update stuff and I don't go into as much detail, but on Twitter I might be like, Hey, I designed this and like, it was really tough and blah, blah, blah. And we had to like... <laughs> I might talk a little bit more about dev stuff on Twitter, but I would never talk about dev stuff really on Instagram stories. You know, like it comes back to, I think everyone wants a shortcut and just wants to post the same thing everywhere, but it really, it's about the audience. I think that totally makes a lot of sense. I mean, cause I naturally had to do that. Like when all this started for me, like two and a half years ago when I did, you know, randomly signed up for ship 30 for 30 and then started building some audience that way. Like back then I was writing ADHD content and then I was also doing some like sort of build in public stuff and like talking about dev and like things like that. And I don't do that now because the ADHD part, that's the audience that like grew. Mm -hmm. So I have like, like this podcast is a great way. I talk about more of the nitty gritty stuff that I don't talk about on Twitter anymore because that's not where the audience is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that makes a lot of sense that it probably building in public as far as like numbers and my book probably don't make sense to share on my social media on either Twitter or Instagram or anywhere else. Uh, Cause it's just not where my audience is. You know who else just came to mind? Like, you know, uh, Daniel Vassello on Twitter? Mm -hmm. He's sort of a big, he came up with this like small bets philosophy on how to approach things, right? Like you take lots of small bets and build lots of little products and together they kind of make up a portfolio of things and you de-risking de as well because you've got lots of different things. He posts a lot on Twitter and he put, he's very, very transparent with his numbers, but he also has a community off Twitter. Like I think it's a Discord or a Slack or... It's some private community, right? That small bets community. The Twitter is almost like a lead gen for that community. It's like, here's the stuff I post about, but if you want more detail, I'm not going to bore everybody else with it. I'm going to talk about like 
detailed spreadsheets and stuff in that community. So it might even be something like that. I think what happens is when you're not super targeted with the message and the audience, it all gets diluted. And then it's sort of like, well, was that even worth it? Mm -hmm. You're kind of being safe and you're going in the middle. But really what you should be doing is like customized and targeted for that audience, like value for that audience versus like maybe I can please both sides and then that never works. <laughs> right. I know yeah. I was there as well with threads. I was like, I don't know what to post on my threads. Like mm, I feel like mm. I'm in between like a dev world, an indie hacking world and an ADHD audience world on threads. I had this spe- specific dilemma for threads and I went down the middle and it was a disaster. Like there's nothing like either way. It's like didn't really provide value on either side strong value it was just like really safe midway <laughs> and i'm like my threads is not very good <laughs> you know right right yeah that's really interesting i think that makes a lot of sense really just sort of like taking the figuring out like for something new for threads it's like you don't know what the audience is so you have to kind of figure that out a little bit and maybe experiment <laughs> so this is going to be a really hard pivot to a totally different topic okay because i realize we are 24 minutes in and we haven't at all talked about the other thing that we were going to oh, talk about. Event? Yeah. So you did you want to switch it? and talk about <laughs> that real quick? So last week we did a really nice segue <laughs> into something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, something about the break it down feature that we launched. Right. And you did this. Right. Really yeah. So here we're going to do the opposite. And now yeah. we'll just be like, Hey, wait, we forgot we need to talk about hard this. Turn. Hard turn. Hard turn. <laughs> I think we sort of got. The yeah. Point yeah. Like, we were wrapping that up. Yeah. yeah. So we're good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Apple event, new phones. What do you yeah, think? Yeah. yeah. Um, incremental, uh, incremental updates, really. It was a weird video. I thought it, nothing jumped out. It, it felt very like vanilla or Mm, I don't know. Formulaic, but it always is a bit like that. And we kind of are coming off like vision pro, which was kind of a bit more exciting of an announcement. This was really like just the annual September announcement okay so i didn't watch the whole thing i always watch the verge highlight like they do like like a 15 15 minute minute, yeah Yeah. the whole thing and then i watched a couple of videos here and there about the video with like mother nature was circulating a lot on twitter and it was taken out of context (laughs) as well but when i saw it i was like what is this is this a joke but it's actually a it's meant to be satire a little bit like yeah obviously it's, it's saying an important point but it's meant to be a bit funny like but somebody wrote a tweet saying like basically poking fun at like cheesy corporate videos, but it was meant to be <laughs> right. cheesy. It was meant to be cheesy. I thought it worked okay. Like I, to me, what it signaled was like, there's not a lot to talk about in this keynote. Oh, okay. Yeah. The humor mostly kind of worked because yeah, they're, they're kind of doing a send up of that kind of video in a way, Yeah. but it was so long and they never like, they never do stuff that's like that long in the middle of like this sort of event, I feel like. So it felt a little bit weird. Oh wait, did they? One thing I need to Google, did they do any funny things with like Craig Federici's hair? There was no Craig. Craig There's was no not. Craig. No I Craig. I, I think he's anything. more he's more the WWDC guy because he's more on the developer oh, side. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. so it, it was a little weird because you're like, where's where's he's off playing guitar Is that somewhere? always the case? Like he's never in these ones, the September ones? I don't know if never, but hmm. primarily okay, okay. He, I think he's more the WWE. Yeah, because half the time guy. I just want to see what they do, like <laughs> – he's pretty funny like and he and he leans into it he 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 embraces it he's yeah i like him as far as the phones like i so i had like a slight hope like this the slimmest of hopes that they would 
like bring surprise and bring and you know announce a mini Mm -hmm. or that they would make it like the se like oh the 13 mini is now the iphone se or something like that and not only did they not do that they did even worse like the day before the event news came out that they're discontinuing the 13 mini so not (sighs) only are they not like doing a new version of it but they're going to stop stocking the old version. Like, it's not even like, I, I don't even think you can buy it on the website anymore. I feel like this is the same moment when, you know, when the SE got discontinued for a while and then they brought, well, no, wait. It was like something like the S. they brought the SE back, right? Yeah, but not really. It was really. the smallest phone before the mini, but that went away. They had the SE. That was great. I had the S. well, it had a problem. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, okay. But so it came out, the hardware was great. So yeah. like this is perfect, perfect size. It's very similar to the the iPhone five, which is one of my favorite phones. And then they like, I think they killed it. And then they said they have the SE two, yeah, but it wasn't the SE anymore. It was like the old eight or something. Stu- they, and it was like a big phone, but they called it the SE. And I'm like, it's not the it's not the same thing. <laughs> it's like they had extra parts and they didn't want to like throw them away, so they kind yeah. of just shoved it in the same body. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if there's going to be a run for like. Let's stock up on 13 minis because I know there is a niche group of people who love that size and form factor. Yeah, which I am strongly in that camp. So here's my plan up until the day before the event was I'm going to hope that they announce a mini. They're not going to do it. And then I'm going to buy the 13 mini because right now I have a 14 Pro. We I think we talked about this on our gear episode like a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And so my plan was going to get the 13 mini and be kind of sad. But the fact that they're discontinuing it, getting back to like the SE, when the SE came out, I was really excited. But within like a month or two, like iOS was updating and it was clear that they were like not even testing it on the SE because there was like in the main iOS settings, there was stuff that stretched off the screen on the SE. Like it didn't even fit. Like you couldn't press everything. And so it was clear. It was like, this is such a like third tier aspect ratio or like dimensions for them that they're not even considering it for big changes. And I felt like I ran into that all the time Mm -hmm. on that phone. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with the 13 mini. Like they're going to be designing new stuff and they're not going to be caring about that old site. So I was just like, I can't go, I can't do that again. And so I'm going to be stuck getting, you know, the 15 pro, which, cause I'm on like the annual upgrade thing. Aren't you getting the Pro Max? Like you've gone from like the smallest of the small and then you're like, actually, (laughs) I don't want to be left behind on like updates and design things. But now I'm going to go the 180, but I'm going to get the Max. Yeah. So here's the thing, because we were texting about it and I told you that I think I'm going to get the Max and you were just like, what? What? That's the (laughs) complete opposite direction. Yeah. And so here... I'm like 98% sure. I mean, the pre-order is in a few, like it's in like 12 hours from now. So I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to do. Here's my reasoning. Like one, like, yeah, the 5X camera, like that is kind of appealing. It's got the better camera. And I hate, I hate that they have that dividing line where the Max has more camera. And they always do the camera Yeah, they didn't have that last year. Last year it was pretty much the same thing. Like the the Mm -hmm. Pro and the Pro Max were like, basically the only difference was the size. Internals, Mm -hmm. features, Specs like I hate when they do that separation, but that's not that's not the driving factor <laughs> okay. for me. So here, so my, my journey, the quick thing, recap again. So I had the 12 mini, and yep. then I was sad that the rumor was they were going to discontinue it. So I tried to trick my brain, and I bought the 13 Max. I was like, I'm going to have a fat, huge phone for a year, 
And then for the 14, I'm gonna go back to the 14 Pro and it's gonna feel so small that it'll be like a mini. And that worked for like a couple of months and then it was just like, nope, it's just too big. I just, I want the mini form factor. So the fact that I can't get the mini form factor now for the 15, it's the, the problem with the 15 Pro is it's so close. It's like almost the right size that I, I think I'm cramping my hand even more because I try to like stretch my thumb to like hit areas that I can't. And so I feel like my hand, it's almost right to the mm. point that it's awful and that I'm hurting it, hitting, hurting my hand more by trying to stretch. Whereas the Max, it's like, that thing is so big, you cannot try to do it with one hand, or you have to shuffle so, like you can't you can't hold it one way and try to reach everything. Well, that's, well, that's just what, impossible. Yeah, that's, that was, we were talking about this just before we recorded, but I, I've got the Max, and but before that, I always had just like the Pro, that, that medium sort of size, right? And I actually hold my phone differently now with the Max, like you said, it's just, it's not even achievable to like hold it the same way and just stretch. I've got small mm -hmm. hands as well, but I literally hold it like way different. But the funny thing is like, I got used to it and I can kind of do one hand because I'm holding mm -hmm. it different. I hold it more from the side versus mm -hmm. having a pinky at the bottom and holding it from the bottom. I'm actually holding it like straight from the side <laughs> and then I can, my thumb can reach the top. And I kind of like really shuffle it around almost precariously to, to reach different bits of the screen. I sort of got used to it, but then by the same token, I think I would have just got used to like having the Pro again. And yeah, I can see more stuff on the Max, but you can still do everything the same on the Pro. This is the problem I have with iOS. Like Android's different. Like I feel like when you have a bigger screen, you can actually just do more stuff. Mm. iOS, it's almost like the image is just bigger. And the only time you get extra screen real estate is if you're looking at text. I feel like holding like a Max and holding a Mini, like I don't feel like I'm getting more data with the Max. It yeah. feel, It's just like the same thing I can see and it happens to be bigger, but it doesn't significantly, you know, it's not like, like a laptop, like having like a 13 inch versus a 17 inch, like that 17 inch screen is gonna, you're gonna have way more yeah, yeah, data really on the it. screen. You really feel that. Whereas like the phone, like the mini versus the max is like, it doesn't really feel that, like maybe if I'm watching a video, but I hardly watch, you know, any long form video on my phone anyway. You know what it is? I'm looking at my phone now, right? Like the home screen is exactly the same for yeah. the Pro and the Pro Max. You can still have the same number of icons and widgets on that screen. Obviously, when you're in an app, that's different. But the home screen, exactly the same. Whereas on Android, you can actually have, there's more stuff you can put on the screen. Like you have more mm. rows and stuff. And obviously just more customization. But you can actually say, oh, I want like 10 icons across if you want. Like you can just do so much more stuff. But it's literally the same thing, but enlarged on the Pro versus Pro Max. Somebody was doing a parody of the Apple event online and they did say something like with the pro version, you can pay this much more to get three more lines of text. The Max version. Oh, sorry, the Max. Did I say pro? Yeah, yeah. I meant yeah. with the Max. <laughs> that was his joke. And I'm like, mm, yeah, not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So so anyway, I, I'm going to be the, I, I don't know, curmudgeon is maybe not the word, but like I'm going to be a bitter Max user because I'm going to have the giant phone and I'm not going to be happy about it. And I'm just going to be, 
what I'm hoping is they're just like, like we'll take a few years off from doing the mini and then we'll come bring it back at some point. Like maybe battery technology will get, don't shake your head. Don't uh, tell me won't. that's not going to happen. I don't think it's coming back. And you know what, what would oh. happen instead? It'd probably be like a foldable phone in like That's true. Years. Maybe that, maybe that's the solution and yeah. which isn't what I want, but maybe it's something to where I can hold my phone without my freaking hand cramping. I will say the battery is really amazing because I used to run out or get a bit of battery anxiety, like, oh, it's going to run out, like especially if I'm using maps or something. But yeah. I have none of that, zero of that on the max because I can never get it close to running out. And I use my phone a lot. Yeah, that was that was my experience too when I had the 13 Max. It was like, yeah, oh, wow, like- I don't even have to think about battery. Whereas when I had like like the 13 Mini, I think was better, but the 12 Mini – that battery I had to think about charging all the time and so I that is one one advantage but anyway we should we should wrap it up we're going a bit long yeah yeah anyway (laughs) go go buy my book extrafocusbook.com yeah go buy Jesse's book I've already bought a I've already bought a copy my pre-order will come next week I'm guessing yeah yeah it should 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 show up right away yeah by the time you're listening to this, uh, Marie might be reading her copy of Extra Focus. Which says something because I don't really read a lot. So I'm really like, <laughs> do it. I'm like, I want this book. I'm going to do it. I think awesome. it's great. I've seen like drafts and stuff. It's definitely worth a look. Yeah, I've, he- I've heard from a few of the like early readers that said like, I hyper-focused and read it in one night. Like I've heard that mm. several times. Like a lot of people that said that it was a really easy read, which is good. Like that was definitely the goal of like, I want people that don't normally read books to feel like this was easy to read. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. We better wrap. Um, Yeah. Have a great week and good luck leading up to the launch date. (laughs) Which is today as we're talking about it. But yes, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is us from the past saying like, yep, next few days. I guess we'll (laughs) chat next week once it's, uh, once it's all done and like see how it goes. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks. See you then. All right. Bye.